listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson, and today we have a great show for you. We're speaking with David Bowders, CEO of Strategic Pricing Associates, about negotiation, strategic pricing, and sales enablement. It's a great conversation. Very excited to have David on the show today and just wanted to say welcome. Thank you, Chad. It's great to be here, and I'm happy to share what we've learned about uh, strategic pricing, sales enablement, and negotiation. And so we always start with the same kind of off the wall question, defining moment in your career. We were kind of talking about this before I hit record, but would love for the audience to hear about kind of that that defining realization in your career and how it kind of changed the trajectory of the company. Well, I think one of the most important things was I started the company in 1993 and we started by focusing on pricing analytics. And in 2015, 23, 22, 23 years later, we realized how important it was to not only provide salespeople with the analytics to help them to price better, but also to give them the training that they needed to negotiate more effectively with their customers. So for the first 22 years, we thought, well, training is important, but we're focused on analytics, and we kind of kept those two apart from each other. And then finally, we realized that, hey, training is not just a necessary evil. It's actually the key, one of the the major keys to success in any type of pricing or margin improvement initiative. And so you added that that to your business and it's been, been successful, it sounds like. Yeah, so we in 2015, we launched uh, a new business unit, uh, Spa Sigma, and it's focused completely on sales training, sales enablement, and we provide uh, training that's focused on negotiation, relationship building, personality quotient, and financial acumen for sales reps. And it's uh, it's really been uh, very successful and, and is filling a really important need in the marketplace, which is for sales reps to move up the value pyramid and to, to reskill for an era in which uh, more and more work is being done by, by machines and AI. And so let's let's talk about the strategic pricing side of it first. I mean, just, I think you said ninety three. I mean, then what was the attraction to the strategic pricing arena? How did how did we end up there? <laughs> well, it all started back at Oberlin College, where I was studying economics. And instead of working in the cafeteria to pay for college, <laughs> I decided to tutor students in microeconomics. It was a better way to make money than than working in the cafeteria. And when I went on to grad school at the University of Michigan, where I did my MBA, I did that again, again, just to help pay my way. And when I graduated from the U of M, I didn't have any work experience because I went straight from undergrad through B school. I had no work experience and I wanted to work for IBM in finance. And they said, well, you don't have any work experience in finance, but we know you know something about pricing. So we're going to put you in the pricing department. And sure enough, I ended up over at IBM doing uh, pricing for uh, their large systems business. And then uh, a year and a half later, I was picked off by a company called Booz and Company, a management consulting firm. And they brought me in to do uh, pricing strategy for their clients. And then in 1993, at the ripe old age of 26, I started Strategic Pricing Associates, 25 years and a thousand clients later, here we are. Whoa, a thousand clients. Wow, impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. So, as we a lot were of scar tissue there too as oh, well. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm professional I did professional services for the last 
14 years before. Well, I guess I'm still doing it now, but uh, it was more in the B2B uh, large-scale services space around digital transformation. And I've got a fair few scars of that. I can't imagine after a thousand clients. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we well, we built clients. a good team to do that, but it's, uh, you know, it takes, uh, you know, there's a real learning curve and, and over 25 years, you learn a lot, you make mistakes, you get better. And uh, we always say we're only as good as our best clients. And so fundamentally, We've learned from serving very difficult, large clients around the world, and it's that experience of growth and learning and challenges and, and demands of the biggest, most complex companies in the world that really define you. It's almost like being an athlete. You're really only as, uh, as strong as the, the best competition you faced, and, and you know we don't think of our clients as competitors, of course, but it's a very strong analogy that you really grow through through the experiences that you have in the real world. Excellent. So as we were prepping for the interview, you mentioned, quote, negotiation training for sellers in the cognitive area. And yes, I did actually do the air quotes. That's a pretty loaded phrase, right? And especially as we, as everybody starts talking about AI and, and the way buyers buy and the way they think, can we, before we, I want to unpack it, but I want to start with the negotiation side of that. So what in your experience is the thing today sellers struggle the most with when it comes to negotiation? Well, it's it's kind of sad because never have we had such incredible product and solution offerings out there in the in the marketplace, particularly in B2B. And companies have invested millions, billions of dollars creating value for their customers. Sales reps are are flying around the world. They're having long, drawn-out sales cycles with customers. They're creating immense value, identifying their needs, bringing the right solutions to them. And then they get to the last mile called negotiation, which is what are the terms of trade that we're actually going to get paid for this? And they have zero training on this. And we did a survey with uh, Selling Power, and it showed that in the last 12 months, 96% of sales reps have had zero days of professional negotiation training. And if you think about the consequences from a commission perspective, from a profitability perspective, from the, you know, the future growth prospects of these companies, what happens when they create all this value and they're completely and totally unprepared for how to negotiate. And a lot of people think it's like riding a bicycle, right? You just put somebody into a negotiation and they'll be able to wing it. And it's just not true. And so sadly, getting paid for the value they bring to the customer is the hardest part for sales reps. They're so focused on, on giving to the customer and meeting the needs of the customer, they forget about the needs of their own families and their shareholders. And, you know, the other thing I would say just in very simple terms that sales reps are so focused on their own pressures to close deals, to hit quota, to pay their bills, that they ignore the pressures on the other party to buy. And that what I mean by that is just as sellers have pressures to sell, buyers have pressures to buy. And once sellers grasp this concept, they can start to train to become skilled negotiators. Without that perspective, they're always going to struggle. And for that reason, we call this the golden rule. If there are pressures on me to sell, what are the pressures on the other party to buy? And once people get that lens to see their negotiation through, they have a starting point to train to become great negotiators. And so when when you're training negotiators or, or you think of like the best negotiators that you've known, what are the top three characteristics that, that you look for or train to, you know, in your opinion, to make somebody a great negotiator? Well, first of all, great negotiators are created, not born. And a lot of people think, well, if I find somebody who's tough, who's got the right personality, who's got the right you know, disposition, then I'm going to have a great negotiator. And while there are 
personality dimensions to negotiation, frankly, that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Real great negotiators are created, not born. And so the things that really lead to to great having a great negotiator are a few things. One is training. Great negotiators have to be created. They have to be trained. And just like any other sport, negotiation requires skills, training, practice, a strength and conditioning program, and of course, in-game experience. So once people understand the metaphor of it being a sport, then you understand the importance of regular practice and training. The second is preparation. So a lot of people just show up for negotiation. They haven't done their background discovery work. They fundamentally are unprepared for what happens. So a great negotiator doesn't just wing it. They spend the time up front to define the negotiation process. They discover critical information about the other party. They develop their value proposition and identify and quantify the issues under negotiation. And they also need to define what a win-win result looks like for each party. Without that preparation, you don't have a great negotiator. And then the last would be tools. So great negotiators have analytical tools to help guide their decision making. They don't just guess at things. They don't just you know, pull something out of thin air as to what our targets are in this negotiation. They've done the analysis to know what the other appropriate uh, terms should be. They know what the pricing should be. They quantify the profitability of the deal and to the other party and they know what to ask for when they give a concession. That's, that would be the other part is really having a concession-making strategy. So if I give up price, if I give up terms, what can I ask for back from the other party? And they all, all three of these things fit together. And a great negotiator is one who's trained, who's prepared, and has the tools to succeed. And I think that also probably, I mean, extends out to uh, kind of some of the things we work with sales reps on, right? You, you need to be, you need to be trained. Most of them aren't, but they need to be trained. They need to be prepared. They need to do the practice. Like the practice one is the one that I see most people struggle with, especially sales yeah. reps because they move so fast. Oh no, I don't need to practice this. Uh, yeah, you do. In order to be effective, it's not something, it's not riding a bike. It's not... It's not that simple. Sales and, and negotiation, they're both disciplines. They take time and focus. And just like, you know, if you're, if you're talking about a great athlete, let's, let's say like a LeBron James, I guarantee you that LeBron James has metrics behind when he, when he trains. He knows how many times he was able to do something, what his endurance was. He knows when he makes mistakes. And, and so metrics are becoming really important. Even in simulation, a negotiated simulation needs to have a scoring. And fundamentally, what's happened for years is even when people did role-playing, they still had no metrics about how they were improving, whether they were successful, who was doing well at things. So the world, actually the world of sports science is actually coming more and more to bear on, on the world of sales training. And it, it has some very interesting parallels. And so is that part of when we talk about the cognitive area, how that's pushing us into that era? Sort of. I mean, it, what, what we mean by the cognitive era is this new era where computers and machines are changing the tasks and roles of sales. So we all know, for instance, that Amazon does over $100 billion per year in sales without any sales reps. <laughs> and I mean, it's just a staggering figure, right? And we also marvel about how this little assistant, Alexa, Amazon's version of Siri, can seemingly meet every whim that we have without any human involvement. And while we all appreciate that as consumers, you know, in terms of the incredible savings of time and drudgery, what we don't realize is that behind that convenience is a new technology. It's a new technological world where Alexa and 
she really just symbolizes artificial intelligence, is going to radically change the workforce and specifically the sales profession. You know, it's going to change the roles and the skills that are required for success. And we've seen studies that show that over the next five years, technology, AI, artificial intelligence will displace almost 40% of the activities currently we perform by sales reps. Things like basic product information, specifying which product should go into an application, uh, what the value add or the value proposition of the product is. All of these things that people have done historically are going to be resolved very quickly without any human involvement by artificial intelligence. So what that means is a couple things. One is a lot fewer sales reps. And for those who remain, there's going to be a real pressing need to upgrade their skills and move up the value pyramid. If the machine's doing all the low value work and you want to still be in sales, you're going to have to move up the value pyramid and you're going to have to train to do that. You're not going to be able to just walk into it and say, I'm going to be a value-added sales rep without the training or the, the skills or tools to do that. I was interviewing um, LaVon Croner uh, from RevenueStorm, CRO of RevenueStorm. He characterized that as the difference between uh, demand capture, which is the lower, I would say, I don't, I don't mean it in a negative way, but it's more the transactional side of the sales stuff versus yep. demand creation. Right? And that mm-hmm. difference between the two, it's a huge, it's a huge jump for a lot of people in sales. It's not, uh, it's not going to be as simple. And those that I don't, I think that aren't paying attention to it are going to get caught off guard. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those areas where what you get is what you invest. And frankly, we in the sales profession for a long time have not thought, you know, rigorously about, well, what should we be training people on? The amazing thing we did, a, again, the survey with Selling Power is it showed that over 90% of the sales training that people are consuming today has no retention program to it. So people get a one-and-done training program, and yet the forgetting curve shows that within 30 days without retention, 90% of what people learn will be forgotten. So if you just think about cumulatively, let's say there's, there's I think in the Selling Power 500, there's Top, top 500 sales forces, there's 24 and a half million people. If we invest $1,000 each in training per year, there's $24.5 billion being invested in training in the U.S. in the top 500 sales forces. 90% of that is being forgotten within 30 days. I mean, it's just staggering when you realize not only are we not training in the right things, but we have no retention program. And so fundamentally, we're just wasting people's time and we're squandering vast amounts of resources. And so with with the advent of another topic, right? So millennials and then the way that they're used to interacting with technology, we were talking about how technology is impacting, you know, the sales profession itself. How will it how will technology or how do you envision technology or how has it impacted negotiation? Well, it's going to affect in two different ways, specifically on both the quantitative side as well as the behavioral side. We're seeing major advancements. On the technical side, we see new decision-making tools that will recommend optimized prices, which products or solutions a particular customer should buy based on their characteristics, based on their purchasing history. Um, Other tools that help really guide uh, sales reps to identify the deal terms to get in their negotiations. What should they be aiming for? How do we set aspirational terms of trade with our customers? On the behavioral side, what's happening is AI and training are giving us new insights into how personality is driving decision-making. That is how people of different personalities gather information, how they um, process information, how they make decisions. And so this, uh, this whole world of AI is enabling us to gain new insights into our customers, how they behave, how they make decisions, 
and really help us to negotiate and sell differently. And then the other piece that I would would uh, mention as well is that learning technology has advanced extremely quickly. So now we're seeing a lot more uh, micro-learning objects, daily drip learning, we call it, that um, rather than having, you know, death by PowerPoints or these uh, these talking head videos, we're seeing more people want to learn a few minutes each day. They want to be taught some, some key tip that's actionable each and every day. And they want it to be cumulative so that it's building up and they're not forgetting things. And so what's happening with, with learning now to support better negotiation skills is that we now have platforms that will enable you to practice this on a daily basis. Again, going back to that sports analogy, without practice, all of the best skills will atrophy. And it's really that uh, that technology is driving both the analytical side as well as the training side. And then the last piece I would, I would mention, which is really cutting edge, is the uh, impact of social on learning and what we're what we're discovering now is that when people learn in a social environment where they're interacting with each other uh, digitally as they learn the learning retention is much greater when your your team of sales reps are seeing each other's answers and commenting on them and liking them or uh, otherwise um, engaging with each other as they learn um, that the retention rates go through the roof and the participation rates are really strong as well and and so social Everybody thought social was a distraction. It turns out that social can be harnessed to be uh, a learning lever if you have the right platform. Do you, is that something that you guys provide or is there a platform out there that you've been the most impressed with? Yeah, we have a partner that we work with that's uh, providing a learning management platform that can be either distributed or an LMS learning management system type of platform. And there's different ways of pushing content. But the most important thing is to really leverage, two, there's two keys to it. One is that you need a platform that supports social interaction. That is, that anticipates and creates um, the, the ability for sales reps to learn together. And then the other key to it is that you have to have um, great content to begin with. So content is king, just like content is king on Netflix or <laughs> Apple TV. Content yeah. is also king. Yeah, content is king way back in the in the training world. And for too long, we thought, well, if we just put the sales rep in front of a screen and, you know, ask him to watch this, this talking head looking at him and he's getting bored to death watching it, he's about to pull his hair out, um, that we were going to train them that way. And what we're learning is, no, the same things that get people to watch, to binge watch on Netflix or, or Amazon, those same characteristics better be in our training content. And so the question we always ask companies when we go in and talk to them is what percent of your training content is binge worthy? That is what percent of it will people naturally watch at a rate faster than what you ask of them? And the answer always comes back zero. We keep giving people content that's boring, dull, you know, just people <laughs> want to pull their hair out. We wonder why they're not learning. It's because we, we're not meeting the standard. And in a social era that we live in, we live in a cognitive era and we live in a social era. And the expectations of our training departments just haven't kept up with this new era. And so people are getting distracted away from learning into the average sales rep spends four to eight hours per week surfing on social during work. And, you know, it's like, well, why are they doing that? It's because partly it's because that it's fun, but it's partly because they're not being given the alternatives that would naturally attract them into career building uh, use of that time. Okay. And so when we think about negotiation um, as a, as the, you know, key component and, and focus for what we're talking about today, I mean, you've been doing this for a while, right? I established expert. I, I would love to know what is your favorite part of negotiation? 
Well, a lot of negotiation starts out as kind of, you know, uh, particularly for an inexperienced negotiator, it starts out as kind of my gain is your loss and vice versa. So it's kind of a zero sum view of negotiation. What I find rewarding as I go through negotiations, and we negotiate a lot with clients, is really creating bigger <laughs> deals that produce greater value than either party expected at the outset. And so there's a, a very basic principle of negotiation, which is when you find yourself in a, a win-lose, zero-sum type of environment, you need to redefine the negotiation to be bigger. That is to grow the deal in a way that will make it no longer a win-lose, that will make it a win-win. But when you see it through that lens of of win-lose, you end up with all this conflict and you end up with all this stress. But when, when you really are clicking and you really understand the art of negotiation, you're constantly growing deals and you're getting bigger deals and longer deals with bigger growth rates. And so the sales reps who, who master these basic principles have better terms of trade, they're more profitable, they retire earlier, they have better neighbors, a whole bunch of things fall from it, follow from it. So for me, it's, it's the gratification that comes from getting away from the head-to-head conflict, you know, banging heads with the other party, growing the deal. And then as you master that as, as the way you do business, it's the, the professional success that comes with it. Excellent. And so let's pivot a little bit and talk about strategic pricing associates. If a customer were to come to you, how, how do they typically, how do they typically come to you? What are they asking for? What, what problems or challenges are they coming to you to help solve? Well, uh, they start with one or one of two paths. So they either start with the training side, which is they want to understand how do I train my people to get bigger deals, more successful deals, to get better terms of trade, how do I get them to be more professional and to, to really be more profitable? So they sometimes start on the training side and they say, hey, I just want to train people and get them to negotiate better so they stop giving away the value that we create for the customer. Sometimes they start, and they, on the other hand, they start on the more analytical side. They say, hey, you know, our business is really complex. We've got thousands of customers, thousands of products or solutions that we sell. And frankly, we're just guessing all the time at what the right price is. Can you help us figure out find the tools to guide our salespeople on a daily basis to make better decisions. So it's usually one of those two paths. Um, of course, over time, there's a convergence between these two. When you really empower your sales reps is when you give them both the tools and the training to drive better, better, more profitable deals. And could you give us a, an example of client success that you can publicly talk about that you're the most proud of? Yeah, well, we don't disclose for, for confidentiality reasons, and particularly in the pricing space, we can't con- disclose the identities of our clients. But we have uh, a large multinational client with over 1 million products that they sell, over 150,000 customers operating in 35 countries around the world, with thousands of sales reps in addition to thousands of channel partners. And what we've done is over the last 15 years, we've provided them with both the analytics and the training to enable their salespeople to be more effective. And working all around the world over that entire period, we've added over $400 million per year of operating profit. And I think equally gratifying for for folks who, like myself, who've dealt with thousands of clients, it's really about how have you helped the people along the way? And in this case, there have literally been thousands of salespeople whose, whose uh, professionalism has been elevated, whose earnings have been elevated and who've had a more successful career. And for me, that's 
you know, the the money is there when you work on these things, when you work on negotiation training, you work on skills training for reps and they give them the right tools. But what, what's equally gratifying is how it affects people. Yeah, the people element is, is for me and for some of those, I think that I know that are the best at what they do. That people element is what keeps us coming back. It's what makes the scars that we have worth it. Exactly. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't really separate people from profit. I mean, it's um, as you as you work on the projects, you have to work on them to make sense financially. But at the end of the day, nothing works financially if it doesn't work for people. And so, you know, it's tempting to put them in two different silos, but you really have to find approaches to solving problems that integrate the two. And and it turns out that performance and human performance is the biggest differentiator. It's not it is a cliche, but it's also true that people are a company's greatest asset. And when you empower those people by giving them tools and training, you transform the, the value of the corporation as you transform the value of the individuals. And both are, are winning in that scenario. When, you, when you're losing that whole thing is when you view your, your profits can only go up if you take training away. And when you start seeing the world that way, then, then you're in a, a world where, where neither party is winning. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So with the end of towards the end of each interview, we ask guests two standard questions. And as the CEO of Strategic Pricing Associates, that makes you a uh, the politically correct term is prospect for sales professional. <laughs> I, I, I have a tendency to use other words, but um, in that role, and you and you you know live and breathe this stuff on a daily basis. If somebody you yeah. don't know was trying to get your attention, establish credibility with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to a few things. One is, um, how are you going to help me to improve the profitability of my company? How are you going to help me to improve the capabilities of my company in ways that will serve customers and then lead to profitability? Um, how will you save me time? Time is the most precious resource. And frankly, time is, is what we all run out of eventually. And fundamentally, um, time is valuable. So if you've got something that can help me save time or drudgery or help me or my people to to move up the value chain, then that that grabs my attention. Of course, that's that's the starting point. Beyond that, we look for differentiation. How are you solving the problem differently from other people? Because differentiation usually leads to a better answer. And then the last piece that I look for, because uh, I've been around the block a lot of times, is <laughs> really, you know, do you have a forward-looking perspective? Right? It's not enough to solve the problem now. You need to be able to help solve the problems that I don't know about yet, identify those problems and show how, how you're going to help in the future. And then the last thing is, of course, simplicity. People who overcomplicate things usually don't succeed. <laughs> That's going to be the quote. That's going to be the quote for the podcast. Just so you know. <laughs> don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. The last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales professionals, marketing professionals, one piece of advice that you believe would help them uh, be better tomorrow after hearing it, what would it be and why? I think that, you know, it's a great question, first of all. Um, first of all, it's determine what tools you need to do your job more profitably on a daily basis, either to do it more successfully, to add more value, to do it more efficiently, figure out what those tools are that are going to drive you to more profitable uh, book of business or more profitable daily decision-making. Find those tools and, and use them. And then the second is, and this is the harder one, frankly, is determine what skills you need to do your job more profitably 
And here's the hard part. Once you've identified what skills you need to do your job more profitably, practice them daily. And and so that brings up the question, what are you prepared to do differently each day? How much time are you pre- prepared to allocate to get better at things? And for most people, the answer, unfortunately, it turns out to be not a lot. But I think if people invest a small amount of time each day in building their skills, figuring out what tools they need to be more effective, that's what's going to drive success. So that's how I'd respond to that one. Excellent. David, if a listener's interested in getting uh, more information about what you guys are doing or wanted to touch base, what's the best way to, to connect with you? Sure. Um, and we're always happy to, to learn from other people and to talk to more people. It's uh, it's a pleasure to do that, and we consider it a critical part of development. Um, first of all, you can uh, visit our website, strategicpricing.com, no spaces, uh, or our training business, spasigma.com, S-P-A-S-I-G-M-A.com. Uh, those two are good places to learn more about what we do. And then if you want to contact me personally, you can reach me at 216-536-2800 in the U.S. Or my email address, david.bowders, B-A-U-D-E-R-S, at strategicpricing, one word, dot com. And uh, always interested in talking to, to other folks about these challenges and opportunities. Thank you, David. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Great. Well, thank you for having me, Chad, and uh, all my best wishes to you and your listeners. All right, everyone that does it for this episode, please check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode out to your friends, families, coworkers. Uh, And if you like what you're hearing, please write us a review on iTunes. It helps us determine the, the guests to bring on to continually provide you value. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.